Welcome to the Scarehouse Podcast. I'm your host, Katie Dutters, and I'm again at a super cool house with super cool people doing super creepy things. <laughs> that, that makes you cool, I guess. I guess. It, in a weird <laughs> way. <laughs> to some people. Yeah. You're like, the thing that was really weird and odd before now makes me cool. Right. When I was in high school, this shit got me beat up. <laughs> <laughs> Were you a wedgie type person? <laughs> no, no, no. Were you ever shoved in a locker? <laughs> No. Yes. No, I can't say I was shoved in a locker. Aaron has been shoved in a locker. Oh, no. Oh, bad. (laughs) Swirlies. In the toilet? No. No swirlies. I don't think those were ever a real thing. Most of mine was verbal. (laughs) Most of mine was verbal. (laughs) All the good nicknames. Yeah. Yeah. People knew better than to touch me. (laughs) (laughs) Somebody brought up uh, Jolly Green Giant the other day, and I had bad flashbacks. Oh, Oh, no. Like I blocked that out because that was one of my. Oh, that was one of your nicknames. Yeah, you're like in the produce aisle at the grocery store, and you just have like a PTSD moment. (laughs) (laughs) I remember this. This is terrible. Frozen vegetables give me anxiety. (laughs) That's the name of the podcast. Frozen vegetables Vegetables give give me anxiety. anxiety. I guess I should introduce you guys now, or Mm -hmm. have you introduce yourselves. Um, First of all, on my left, I am Macabre Noir. I just forgot my name. Um, sorry. I'm Aaron, Dr. Morosev, Morosev McCobb. Uh, I am Lori Hauser, uh, also the Mad News. So, Lori, it seems to me that you are a wrangler <laughs> of sorts wherever you go. Yeah. <laughs> you always seem to be the, the one... Uh, organizing with, with an amazing ability to organize all these different people and personalities, no matter where you're at. And it's very impressive to me because I saw you do work at Scarehouse and I've seen what you've done at Atrocity. And how do you keep everybody in line? <laughs> uh, <laughs> uh, it's, it's, uh, it, well, I, I studied theater. Mm-hmm. Uh, I studied theater in a manner of you made lists, you shoved them in your pockets, you had a dry erase board, um, you kept everything organized uh, so that you could clearly communicate. So that was the other part Mm -hmm. of it. Like, the organization became important so you could communicate, and that's how I do my job. Um, It's... And the other... And I guess the third part is just experience. Mm Mm-hmm. Working in different venues, I didn't just make shows in in standard theater houses. I've made them in bars. I've made them in coffee shops. I've made them in, you know, anywhere. Wow. And so working in the different spaces, when you wrangle people, (laughs) you, you, you know, you have knowledge, previous knowledge of... Crap that went wrong before, like you, you know, you you cheer your failure and go, oh wait, I know this is going to be bad. So here, let me answer this question, or mm-hmm. here, let me. And it's, um, yeah, it's those three factors. It's, you know, keeping yourself organized um, to keep your communication clear, and everybody else that you know, you can get answers for people, and then um, experience experience in, in making a show. Uh, not just in book experience or academic experience, in getting up and figuring how to fit something in a space, 
yeah. <laughs> safely. <laughs> um, and, and hopefully nobody, nobody's butt hurt by the end of the day. <laughs> yeah, that's fantastic. And we're here because uh, Atrocity, this year's Atrocity is coming up. This is the ninth year? Ninth year. Yeah. Did you ever think it would last this long? No. <laughs> no. We expected to be done with this after after the first one. Yeah, we so then, we know. weren't going to bring it back. Everybody else wanted us to bring it back. We did like a sort of weird, sort of atrocity exhibition, half-assy thing the second year. Which yeah. Which like, kind of, but not really. It was basically the atrocity exhibition. We it just wasn't as name. refined as... Well, the first one wasn't refined. The first one was a mess. The first, like, two years were a total disaster, <laughs> just all in general. Mess. So... <laughs> and we and then we became more organized and that was not us actually which is why it's kind of funny that we're talking to Lori about this right now um <laughs> is our organization came from everybody else that joined us slowly okay. like when cherry bomb joined the atrocity exhibition in the third year our costuming began changing and it became more organized because we actually had like a legitimate MC and wanted to do a story theme. And, um, uh, so we had to start kind of organizing that for her and she began kind of organizing us and upping our costuming. And then like the following year we realized we needed a stage manager, mm-hmm. um, one with experience. And I believe ghost show, was that the one you came in? Did you come in Phantasmagoria? Yeah, I think, yeah. Or were you coming in year five? Five. Year five. Year five. So year that four Phantasmagoria, we were still kind of flying by the seat of our pants as far as crew goes, but by year five we had Lori in and started actually getting, you know, stage management. And now at year nine, <laughs> we have a costuming uh, manager, a stage crew manager, uh, a house mother, uh, a vendor manager, um spreadsheets for everything including budgets like yeah like it's really weird because like we were so like let's just do let's just have some fun and then (laughs) through audience pushing us to do better and expecting more and we expecting more out of ourselves and trying to push ourselves like it we are now at year nine don't know how the hell that happened or how we've survived all of this. It seems like it flew by now and yeah. you look back at it, it really seems like none of it. Yeah. Or it all happened in such a short time. But, mm-hmm. You know, it's been like 10 years. Next which year. makes me feel incredibly, incredibly old. Yeah, yeah. That I, I, don't I, I, like, I shuddered at that too. I yeah. was like, whoa. Right. Do you feel like the parents, whenever they, they, they post, I see on Facebook when parents are like, I can't believe my baby is X years old this yeah. year. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's weird. Yeah, it really is. Looking back at photos from 2009, I, I have a specific like, two photos of that day. We were painting in your yard, painting those portable walls that we built to like hang all our paintings on we used to take these like a hinged like two-part wall that we would like just drag with us everywhere and hang shit on so like we were outside the yard painting that i think and like drinking wine at like 2 p.m and there's like two or three photos from that day that i look back on and like that's the start point for me for my memory so it's just funny to like look back and see that and i'm like we were so young then yeah it was just me and aaron in the yard painting getting drunk yep and now we have like prop now now we have prop builders that you know, a prop builder that builds all of our sets and people's props and people helping him paint. And, like, it's just really fucking, it's really weird. It's super weird. Yes, we have to really shout out to Ed Pinto, too. Oh, my God, Ed Pinto. Yeah. Ed Pinto, is a, he's a he's a saint. He's a he's a saint in wolves clothing. <laughs> he's a sheep in wolves clothing or something like that. Like, he's the opposite. Uh, no, he, Ed Pinto goes above and beyond. 
everything and anything. Like, we tell him, we try to give him the simple things to do, and he, like, is the one that makes them big and complicated oh. and loves every minute of it, and it's done super well. just need this little and, thing, and he's like, well, why don't we make it really big and spit fire and yeah, <laughs> yeah. at this angle? Or, yeah, you know, Ed Pinto was the final step in our evolution, honestly. Really? Yeah, he really was. It, it was... Uh, DeVille's been with us since the beginning, so DeVille's always yeah. had his hand in it as far mm-hmm. as, like, creative stuff. Um, but he really came in in year three... Um, actually, year four is when he really came in as far as the creative stuff because uh, prior to that, it was us just calling him and he was coming up. But then year four is when he started getting really involved in the creative process. And um, we started, and really year four was the first year we had a solid, like, themed show that told a story from start to finish. And that was really his driving force. And then... Um, Cherry Bomb with the costuming, up the costuming level. Lori, up to the stage crew level. And then Ed Pinto came in, and now we have, like, insane props and sets. So it, it, it's definitely been an evolution. It's kind of funny that we're going to get to year 10, and we finally have, like, a full... We, yeah. know, we finally know what we're doing. <laughs> <laughs> and then we're going to quit. <laughs> On well, every up. show. <laughs> it's like life. It's like you go, and you get old, and then you're like, I have my shit together now, and then... You- die. <laughs> yeah. That's how that goes. It's the same thing. I think I just saw a cartoon that was somewhere on Facebook. That, you know, everything comes from Facebook. But it was like, why don't we start out as old people and like then we'll know things and then we'll have yeah. our better bodies and then we'll be able to regress and enjoy our childhood because we just grow up so fast. And like, like it's better at the end. Yeah. yeah. And you learn from your mistakes, truly. Like Atrocity has been like one giant mistake after another. <laughs> and every year, like the next year, we're like, okay, can't do that again. You know, mm-hmm. so I think we're, we're getting to the point where we're like, all right, we're, we, we got this at this point. I mean, I'm sure something will come. It always comes up. Something always comes up. And we're like, <laughs> well, well have, we can't do that we'll again. We'll have notes for next year, too. Yeah, we will. We can't do that. <laughs> write that down. That can never happen again. Yeah. <laughs> and I was just talking to Lori beforehand, and we were talking about keeping our heads straight, because literally, we're all over the place. You know, you you have your art, you have your performance, you have your, you know, there's atrocity, and there's... You know, you're trying to have a life beyond this where you're an actual human being at some there point. There is no life beyond yeah. this for us. And we we yeah. are humans right now. We are shells. Uh, we are fragments of what we used to be at this point. We're just hand puppets. <laughs> We're just going through the motions right now. <laughs> Minimal amounts of sleep. We were talking about, and Lori brought up Trello. And, like, it's so funny how pulling so much more tech into our lives to try to keep organized because you wake up and you're like I have a thousand things to do what do I do first and having to put them in the lists and I can't even imagine my lists you have Lord. <laughs> you have books and in- yeah I my I have devices that bing at me uh-huh. at least you know every five minutes every mm-hmm. 15 minutes hey you have to do this mm-hmm. hey remember you wanted to add this to your list at this time Literally, you know, and you just keep... I like how you have a list of things you need to add to your list. Yeah. Well, with Lori this year, too, Lori has always been, like, a crew manager. Mm-hmm. Like, she's the one that organizes the whole show. However, this year, Lori has is on stage the entire time. Really? She's Dante. Ooh. So, therefore, she has a massive part in the actual show this year because she's been behind the scenes for so long and, you know, does so many stage productions that it's like she needs to actually be on stage. Oh, because she's so, so uh, yeah, we're Yeah, exactly. <laughs> That's what's so, like uh, a shame is having someone who's so talented in, in, you know, theater and performance just not actually doing it. You know what I mean? So it seemed like mm-hmm. kind of a the next step that was sort of like logical there. Yeah. So this Stop year, being so good at things, right? I, <laughs> so on top of organizing the crew and all of all of atrocity, all of all of our lives right now, um, 
she had we we hired a new stage manager to mm-hmm. essentially so now she's training someone to do wow. something that we have literally no protocol for anything. <laughs> so she's just like, just be prepared for anything that happens. <laughs> like, you know, you're like, this is going to be your life. You so, have to enjoy So on top of chaos. writing the actual show for all the stuff in between the performances, she's training, so helping some, mentoring someone else to take this, this bull by the horns pretty much. And then, you know, also still part of the organization while he kind of gets acclimated to how we operate. Cause he's super theater guy and we're like, nah, uh-huh. it's not that serious. Like we're, <laughs> yeah. like, you need, you need to actually unlearn a bunch of things. For yes. this, so We're not even remotely professional like at all. <laughs> no, this is a whole nother so. animal. Like no pants. Fire everywhere. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Basically, that should it. be your tagline. No, no pants, pants, fire everywhere. Not <laughs> <laughs> a workout. I wish one. it wasn't too late to reprint those flyers. <laughs> <laughs> Imagine that. It's fire everywhere. No pants. Um, Mac and Aaron, you've like I said, we've, you've been doing this for so many years. And do you ever get tired of doing it? <laughs> yes, every single <laughs> <Yes>. year. <laughs> <laughs> right around this honest. week. Yeah. yeah, right around this week. Um, <laughs> I'm good. I picked a good week. Oh, you know, we are so very fortunate. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's hard to be like, yeah. we're tired because I mean, we literally throw one of the biggest parties in Pittsburgh. It's insane. It's an award winning party. Yeah. I, yeah. People keep giving us awards for this shit. It's amazing. <laughs> um, you know, but we never set out to do this. This mm-hmm. wasn't part of our plan. Like we are not show producers. We never set out to be show we just producers. Just sell stuff on the internet. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe get a show here and there. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Painting once in a while. Is it? Yeah. Ambition. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So essentially like, while we are super grateful for all of this and we've met because through this we've met so many awesome people i mean mm-hmm. all of our friends and people we consider our our family you know outside of blood is like uh, a part of this show so we are really lucky and the weekend of we are happy that we did it we enjoy the show mm-hmm. we are happy we got to see everybody we have a blast all weekend long with everyone that's not saying that it's not stressful However, less stressful. Yeah. So these two months prior to is the part that we don't want to do anymore. (laughs) (laughs) It's the part we're done. It's it's a lot. If I look at one more gallon of paint, or one more paintbrush, or one more sequin, or one more email, I think the craziest part is that every year we address these two months is like, okay, we're not going to have this happen this year. And so we do, we make the space, we make it easier, but then what happens is we add a bunch of more stuff. Space. Space. Yeah, yeah. Like, because now we have all the space. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> like, all right. <laughs> Scare us for the same way. Okay, we're going to do this so this never happens again. We're going to give ourselves X amount of extra time so this doesn't yeah. happen. We have this extra time, by the way. We should probably do something with this. Extra yeah, time. yeah. It's like, no, that's, so that's the way creatives night. work, I mm-hmm. think, is a lot of it. You know, that mm-hmm. gives you time to come up with more awesome right. stuff. Yeah. You know, right. that's kind of like, that's just sort of how we do. Like, we all sit in meetings and somebody says something and then everybody's like, yeah, that's a great idea. And then like a week later, we're all like, why did we do this? Like, <laughs> <laughs> so I think that's how everybody works. That's part of the creative process, like mm-hmm. both within the haunt industry, within the stage industry, mm-hmm. within, you know, visual arts in general, yeah. you know, so it's enjoyable torture. 
Yeah. Yeah. As opposed to the other kind. Right. The less. (laughs) It's it's, it's enjoyable torture as opposed to pointy stick torture. Yes. (laughs) Speaking of torture, I feel like I could somehow segue into what Lori's been up to lately with her literary brothel. Oh. Oh, good. Yeah. Oh, goodness. Yeah. So, um, yeah, you, you really, I, I think personally, and I've only known you a few years, this is where you've taken off. And yeah. you, the Mad Muse has really just, just bloomed, I guess, in a way that this literary brothel and hearing so much about it and what you're doing and bringing things to Pittsburgh that we've never seen before. Oh, I'm excited. Uh, yeah, no, it um, and it wasn't supposed to happen. Uh-huh. As um, with all good ideas, but as <laughs> as the process, you know, as the creative process happens, that when you run into more, you know, whether it was funding or whether it was lack of time, lack of people, whatever, whatever roadblocks, mm-hmm. it they ended up being, you know, great things mm-hmm. because it turned into something even better. Mm-hmm. You know, the, the idea and the concept got better. Um, so the brothel, the literary brothel, to me, is my way of hopefully turning people back on to the literature, and not just, like, boring things. Like, uh, we did, you know, our first brothel was Grand Guignol, so it was all this literature about horror theater, um, to get people into, but the way we deliver it, of course, is in a brothel manner where it's sexy, mm-hmm. uh, it's shocking, it's, you know, you, you are coming out of reality and into a sacred space, you know, <laughs> where yeah. you're going to hear uh, good stories and literature, and it's a way to introduce people to um, exciting literature. Uh, the, I have uh, the writers for the fall. Uh, I'm. We're gonna do H.P. Lovecraft. Uh, we're gonna do uh, a, a, a themed evening of the Devil's Dictionary from Ambrose Bierce, and then we're gonna do Saturnalia. And I am still picking writers, but that's gonna be mainly fetish and erotica mm-hmm. literature. Um, and these will all be held in a house, mm-hmm. uh, in the same kind of brothel environment, always. Um, because it lends the, you know, it's it's it, it lends to the the intimacy of having of being read to, mm-hmm. of having someone read a book, um, and in an environment that is fun and sexy, or you know, even intimidating, or you know, like however you react to the scene, but you're there, and um. It's it's an exciting interaction with words and people and scenes, and you know to hopefully people will get back into good stories, and maybe tell their own, mm-hmm. or you know, or realize that their own story is a good story. Well, that's the, it's. I think social media has kind of created this environment where you're you're like my life is great, and everything you put out and you write about and you tell people about yourself is like this is everything that's good in my life. And you may have had a bad day. No, this is how it's good. And you have this like mask <laughs> on constantly. Mm-hmm. Oh, I don't do that. <laughs> no, yeah, no, we're totally yeah. not. Yeah. Like my life's a heaping pile of trash that's on fire all the time, and here's why. No pants and fire. Right, no pants and fire. That is the Aaron Doctor story. That's me. But your stories are like, this is real. This is life. And you, you kind of push people to tell more of the real life stories and what's actually happening. And that's, well, that's the heart of theater. Mm-hmm. Uh, that when I, you know, when I took on theater, uh, when I studied theater, that's what we learned is that theater is just life magnified. Mm-hmm. You know, and of course, then there's 
the, the idea that all there are basic storylines throughout history that we all follow. Mm-hmm. It's that hero's journey. And so if we look at our own lives and we're like, oh, it sucks, no meaning, boring, blah, blah, blah. Looking, you know, looking at your own story and making it that hero's journey, you find meaning mm-hmm. if you don't have any. You know, it's not for everybody, but literature helps you do that. Literature also helps people empathize for each other. And, you know, and that is another part of theater that I, I think is important. Anything to get people to interact and understand that we're, well, we're people. Mm-hmm. We're not so different, even though we're so different. Right. Do you know what I mean? <laughs> like, I think empathy right now is huge. Yeah. And, it, you know, and the redefinition of what is really bad. Mm-hmm. Um, and what is actually harmless and quite wonderful. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and just opening your eyes to that and the weirdness is how wonderful and one, it just improves your life. Just mm-hmm. like that, that part of you that you're able to let go and be like, oh, it makes me different, but it makes me very much interesting and very cool and very... Because you guys are very normal. and very Yes. <laughs> I wouldn't use weird to describe any of you. And organized. <laughs> weird, organized, wearing pants, no fire. <laughs> Welcome to our beige existence. <laughs> that's it. That's it, though, is, is not having that. It's just beige and boring and mm-hmm. perfection is boring. It's hard to... I mean, we were just kind of talking about this earlier. Lori and I were outside talking sort of about this and how it's like when you're you grow up a little weird, you don't... Like, you know that there's something off, and you wonder, like, is this me? Is this my problem? I don't know. Whatever. Mm-hmm. But it's hard to judge, because I have no basis for comparison. Like, I don't know what it's like to be everybody else, so I have no clue how to... You know what I mean? Like, how do you equate that? So it's interesting. I used to, I used to clean houses, and when I would go into people's houses, you know, I would walk in, and all the walls are white, and the carpet's beige, and everything's spotless, and, like, there's glass tables, and there's, like really generic art on the walls, you know, and everything is just muted tones and there's nothing interesting about any of it. And I always thought to myself, oh my God, what's it like to live? I don't know if I could do, you know what I mean? Like, Mm -hmm. how is, this is what normal is? Mm -hmm. This is really boring, you know? (laughs) I have all kinds of like stuff to look at all the time, you know? Mm -hmm. And it is weird how individuals you know, how they function even within their living environment to what's considered normal and what's considered weird within your living environment. Because people would walk in here and be like, this is weird, you know. <laughs> yeah. But to me, it's like, this is this is interesting. This is, you know, my living space. This says a lot about me, you know. Mm-hmm. This is yeah. you. It's yeah, an extension yeah, yeah. of yourself. Yeah, yeah. So Maybe they're beige and boring in glass. Yeah, so it makes <laughs> me wonder, like, maybe they're right. weird. <laughs> <laughs> what I said to Aaron about it is that because, you know, through who knows what, you know, who knows mm-hmm. how we ended up this way, whatever, um, we essentially were given freedom. To, 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 you know, also, since we've been separated from what normal is, we have the freedom to gauge normal and say, mm-hmm. now, wait a minute, you think this is normal? Mm-hmm. Um, and we get to do that through art. And, you know, like, the atrocity itself is that. Um, can, I, can I talk about the theater cruelty real quick? Uh, yeah. Sure. Actually, <laughs> yeah. yeah. I'm going to we actually, we, we um, you know... Lori came up with a, a really good concept uh, behind this year's atrocity, and I don't mean like as far as like visually, mm-hmm. like and, and theme wise, but more so the theater aspect of it and an actual like method. I guess mm-hmm. is it? A, it would be a method. It's a, a you know academic theory. It's a a, a a a way of theater, a way of using theater. 
Um, and it is what the atrocity has always been to me is a piece of theater of cruelty. Um, and that's one of the reasons I really enjoyed it. Mm-hmm. Not that I came on the scene and said, oh, by the way, mm-hmm. here's what you're, here's what I think you guys are doing. Cause I had no idea. Mm-hmm. Um, I would, I came in entirely clueless and over the years I'm like, this is theater of cruelty. And, um, because you had said about how we post on Facebook, this, we're always happy. We're always bright. Theater of Cruelty is this form of theater that reaches beyond that bright, happy place into that subconscious, repressed, dark area. It was developed by uh, Anton Artaud, um, and he was uh, a, you know, a French thinker. He only ever produced one Theater of Cruelty show, mm-hmm. but these theories ended up becoming the basis of... Theater of the Absurd, Samuel Beckett, Edward Albee, you know, that, that uh, those plays were a mix of naturalism and theater of cruelty, where we delved further into the darker psyches of the human mind mm-hmm. and brought out an honesty. Um, and cruelty does not necessarily mean violence. Cruelty is that um, ability to reach those places um, by using visions, uh, things that are not normally seen, things that you're not subjected to. A very common and modern piece of, of theater of cruelty is when you go to a rock show and the lights. When they do the lights, it, you know, they blind you with the lights. That's actually a, a basis of theater of cruelty. Oh, really? You're being assaulted, you know, which heightens that experience and the emotion in you. Doesn't it, you know, like, yeah, and the crowd goes wild. That's theater of cruelty. That's the theory of that in action in our regular, like, entertainment experience. But the atrocity itself and the visions of the different acts, you've seen it. Mm -hmm. You know, people that have seen it, they know, you know, like, wow. You know, and that is reaching into places that they normally don't go. That's a, that's a great way to because you people will ask what is atrocity. I'm sure you get it all the time, yeah. and you're like, I don't know, because yeah, I, I have a hard exactly time. Exactly my response. Yeah, I <laughs> have to. Yeah, I I now have a, a speech. Oh, good. Yeah, <laughs> nine years later, I have a speech now because I now that I'm um, over at Zeke's, uh, I have people coming in with all the promotion that's happening because they're one of our sponsors and are doing our coffee this year. Um, I have a lot of people that don't know what it is asking me what it is, and I have to explain it to them in a way that I'm not going to frighten them, but also make them understand that it's not like a play. <laughs> like, <laughs> like it, it's the, while it is almost running like a play now where each person plays a character, the acts that are being done as those characters are really what is the cruelty part. Like, mm-hmm. they're either hard to watch or, you know, or, or you know, um, they're either painful or sexual or (laughs) or somehow making you laugh with some level of dark sarcasm you know it's all of those repressed things uh within each act so it's kind of having to warn people like 
you know, and then the further we go, like, the more intense it's going to get. So, understand the second half of the show is where all the pain acts come in, the things that might be hard to watch. Anybody has triggers, like, that's probably, you know, I actually, um, you know, I've had people message me this year and ask me, you know, if we're if we're having loud bangs or because they have sensory problems. Mm-hmm. And I'm just like, I just want to warn you, like, this, 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 and this is going to happen mm-hmm. before you know, we, you know, because we are, like, really exercising, like, light flashes and mm-hmm. loud sounds and rumblings and weird vibrations and those sorts of things this year. So we're really more heavily, since Lori really explained to us what it is that we're doing, (laughs) (laughs) we're like, okay, let's, like, see if we can incorporate this but, like, push it a little bit harder now Mm -hmm. that we're a little bit more aware of what we're doing with light and sound. Mm -hmm. Like, let's actually kind of try to incorporate that. So... So, in uncomfortable situations and whatnot. Every year is like an experiment. Like, we try to do something different every year. And I think... So, it's just like... Everybody that comes is really just a guinea pig. Mm-hmm. You're all just guinea pigs to us. <laughs> so, yeah, I think it's like crazy. They, they, they started out having no idea what they were going to end up making. Mm-hmm. And that there's like books about it somewhere. I love when I do that. I'm like, I think I'm doing something like really like... Like nobody's ever done this or nobody I don't even know what to call it and then suddenly I crack open a book and it's right in front of me I go cool I'm not completely lost I'm not alone here (laughs) right I'm not lost yeah Yeah. but it's true and every year it is different like Mm -hmm. every year flows differently Um, every year we have a different format for the show as to how it runs Mm -hmm. and how we do things they're all very different so you're not getting the same repetitive lineup over and over again like it's it's constantly changing so the show even in between all the acts is a show in and of itself Mm -hmm. Um, so that's kind of cool but like now that like I said now that we kind of know you know what we have we have an idea of what it is that we're doing we can actually like focus on that this year so it kind of created this whole new catalyst for ideas even though we've been doing it all along <laughs> you know? someone brought up a uh, Monet quote earlier today about uh, painting is easy when you don't know what you're doing but once you know what you're doing it's so much harder mm-hmm. yes. because you know what you're looking at mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah you're like oh now I have the education yeah, I yeah. see these things absolutely that's the why truth. I don't paint anymore that's yeah. <laughs> <laughs> where I quit see but I think you learn the rules to break them you know, mm-hmm. yeah. I'm a big fan of breaking rules mm-hmm. let me see how I can mess so are we up. clearly <laughs> well that's it that's art has no rules you know or that's what we've been told this whole time you know but then you find out when you start doing things people are like why are you doing it that way it's like well because I because art isn't supposed to have right. any rules. It's not yeah. structured. And I'm not structured. And the thing is, I think that's why the atrocity is doing mm-hmm. as well as it is. You know, I mean, other productions around the city are doing, you know, well. And they have mm-hmm. theaters and backings and funding and all of this stuff. But I think the reason why, like, because we talk about, we want to, like, we're winning awards. And we're like, what the hell? Like, we're beating mm-hmm. out, like, actual, like, theater companies that have, like... You know, grants and funding and, you know, (laughs) yeah, yeah, like legit advertising. Um, And I think the reason why is because we're not following the rules. We're just kind of marching to the beat of our own drum and, you know, really pulling on people's, like, inner... Because, like, we wear our weird on the outside, but a lot of people wear it on the inside Mm -hmm. is a lot of it. And I think we're able to pull that out of people, and I think that's why it is interesting to them. I like your shows. One of the things I've noticed with your shows is in the beginning, there's that, can I laugh at this? Can I react the way I'm reacting towards this? And then by the end, it's like, 
bare emotions are happening. Mm-hmm. Because in the beginning, it's like, you're kind of gauging, like, okay, everybody else is okay with me laughing at this, which I shouldn't be laughing at, or I shouldn't... Oh, no, it. it's okay to laugh at anything, yeah. curiosity. Like, nobody is judging you there, and that's also what's part of it, is, you know, we have, like, a very sick sense of humor. Mm-hmm. Uh, we're all very sarcastic. Uh, everything we do is atrocious, hence the atrocity <laughs> exhibition. Um, so you can react. Like, it is totally normal to react however you want to react. And I think because people are so trained to watch themselves and how they're reacting and so worried about being offensive or being offended, um, I think that their guard is up when they first get in there. But once they realize that, like, all bets are off within the first, you know, five minutes, you know, I think everybody kind of relaxes and kind of lets their Mm -hmm. freak flag fly and, um, you know, it's, it's kind of cool because we have people that have been with us from the very beginning and we have new people and I remember the first year we were in city paper and, um, all these people showed up that I don't think really truly knew what they were in for. And Aaron, uh, you know, explains that as there was like a sea of mom jeans that came in (laughs) and they lasted like maybe 15, 20 minutes before they all had disappeared. So like, because they weren't prepared for that, but some of them Mm -hmm. did stay Mm -hmm. and some of them thought it was really cool. People that we didn't expect to enjoy the show because you know, they're not wearing their weird on the outside. Like the rest of us, they're wearing it on the inside actually did enjoy the show. So that really kind of, and those people have come back since they were like, you totally like won us over. And it's like, but they were very concerned when they went in because they didn't look like everybody else. They're like, well, what do I wear? How do I dress? You know, that sort of thing. And it's Mm -hmm. just kind of like, you wear whatever you want. Mm-hmm. Like, we're whoever we are. Like, just come as you are. You, cool. It's funny, because you would come in, like, if you would wear a suit or a nice dress, you would yeah. be the weirdos. Like, <laughs> you would be the ones out of place, which in the normal world, kind of. Yeah. <laughs> the way around. Yeah, we've actually had, like, well-known uh, media people come in fishnet shirts and mm-hmm. their mm-hmm. girlfriends on dog leashes. That's amazing. Yeah, so. We, and, you know, we won't say any names, yeah, but, but that's yeah, they've been there, and you're like, whoa, <laughs> yeah. I don't even know who you're talking about. Oh, really? About. No. Oh, my gosh. Oh, I did not know you didn't know that. Okay, yeah. I'll so, tell you later. But it's just kind of <laughs> weird because it's somebody you would think was totally vanilla, and they're completely not. completely not your jobs your you know a lot of times the jobs and things you professions you pick require Uh you to be right yeah straight laced i wear nice clothes my hair is this way i have eyebrows i have wholesome (laughs) extracurricular activities every weekend you can always wear your leather under the suit (laughs) (laughs) your your lady panties under your suit nobody's judging you I mean, you know, and listening to, to you guys talk, I mean, ultimately you've done what organizations wish to achieve, um, and that is create space for everyone. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I tell people that theater has a place for everyone. And even though you weren't out to make theater, art in general, public performance should make space for everyone. Mm-hmm. And you did it. Yeah, totally. I mean, I agree 100%. Because that's the thing. We did, like, there's, how many shows have we done where people are like, this is weird. We don't like this. And they're <laughs> in your face. Yeah. <laughs> you know, like, the whole piece of your stuff that you made, you put all those hours of work into or whatever, which is whatever. And they're like, I don't like this. And just put it back down. Or like, you or, know. Or they're like, I'm going to buy this to hang in my bathroom, so that my guest bathroom, so that when my guests are peeing, it will scare them. And, and how <laughs> much is this painting? Favorite. Yeah. How and much is like, this painting? I'm like, $700. Yeah. <laughs> you don't get it. <laughs> that was in North Carolina. That was a funny one. 
so it's, you know, it just reactions like that are always interesting, you know, and mm-hmm. apparently there's a space for everybody, but not for us. We had to make our own, so it's fine. <laughs> Whatever. You guys have my own party. <laughs> Darren's party and he'll do what he wants. Right. Not even more invited. Sorry. To hell with all of us. We're going to hell. Worst places to be, at least we'll all be together. That's right. true. <laughs> With all the other friends. All their friends. Well, I mean, we're literally going to hell this year, though. Yeah, that's, that's true. I literally forgot about that. Yeah. So tell me a little about the show this year. I guess we should. I've been like throwing out theories, like, what are we talking about the show? Yeah, we're not. We're not. We're not. We're not we're By the way, tickets are. We're, we're getting deep. Yeah, I like that. We're getting yeah. deep. I'm good yeah. with that. Um, so this year, uh, we decided because it's year nine, and there are nine circles of hell. We, uh, we've been holding off this theme until this year, actually. It's been brought up multiple times. Um, but this year we are doing hell, but we're doing it, um, in the style of the divine, Dante's divine comedy, which is, um, Inferno, uh, Purgatory and Paradiso. So we are doing, um, we're really focusing on Inferno. Mm-hmm. We're touching on, uh, Purgatory and then we're just gonna, Touch the tip of uh, paradise and just the tip, just the tip, though. <laughs> uh, That's all we get. So, um, but of course, in true atrocity fashion, we're not directly telling the story; we're making it our own. Mm-hmm. So, um, we are focusing. It's all set in the 1930s and the 1920s. Uh, Dante is a man of the cloth who is super corrupt mm-hmm. um, during the Dust Bowl era, which is the Great Depression. And there were a lot of con people that took people for money because nobody had any money. A lot of people put their faith in their faith mm. um, to pull them through. And we made it so that Dante is actually one of those corrupt uh, southern ministers that are taking advantage of people. And he's really a son of a bitch. Um like and and Brian Coddington will highlight that in his opening film, just how terrible Dante actually is. <laughs> so instead of Beatrice directing, who is the angel that directs Virgil, um, who is a spirit guide for Dante to to lead him through hell, mm-hmm. we have decided that um, essentially heaven tattles on Dante and hell comes for Dante. So Virgil will appear in an elevator dressed as a 1920s elevator operator. Mm-hmm. And he will then take uh, Laurie as Dante down through the inferno. So Earth, <laughs> Earth is a, a big d- thumbs up for yeah. Laurie, by the way. Yeah. <laughs> Just going to hell. Yeah, well, yeah. it's all right. So <laughs> Earth, Earth is a dustful depression, and hell is the decadent 1920s. As Virgil's going down, or Virgil and Dante are going down, they're meeting all of the characters of the actual story. You know, Cerebus, the three-headed dog, Minos, the guardian of the gate. Uh, Phlegius, the boatman on the river Styx, like they're all there. Wow. Um, however, it is all like lush Art Deco 1920s. Oh, neat. So, because like, and we were talking about this outside um, the other night. Uh, essentially, if you look at it, the 1920s were the Roaring Twenties. Mm-hmm. So those were the super like people had money. Uh, everything was super risque. Berlin was like hopping at that point in time. And there was a lot of like cross-dressing and underground theater and drag clubs and drugs. And, you know, it was, it was a very sinful time. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, a <laughs> lot of music, a lot of parties, you know, um, the rich were rich, you know? Um, and then when the depression hit, like that all went away. So it was almost like the repentance for all of that sin. So we're kind of using it as symbol 
symbolism. Mm-hmm. So while Dante's on Earth with all of these people, it's the Depression, it's terrible, everybody's broke. Uh, when he goes to hell, he realizes they're all still partying like they were 10 years ago, and everything's great. <laughs> so, um, at, but they're all terrible. Like it's 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 a mask. It's a mask to lure you in. Is essentially what it is because, you know, that's what the devil does. The devil tries to lure you in with temptation, and so he's about to go to a very lush, decadent place that is full of temptation. So, cool. yeah, it's going to be a really cool show. We are excited, and we're most excited about the elevator. That sounds, yeah. I, I'm not excited about building it or painting it, but mm-hmm. excited about existing. Yeah, Lori um, and DeVille, who are Dante and Virgil, will be in the elevator telling the story in between mm-hmm. all of the acts. So DeVille will be announcing what floor you're on. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> and if you've ever been to the scare house and you've seen the gentleman who plays the accordion in our lobby, that's DeVille. And who is also an amazing performer, and uh, he mm-hmm. cracks me up. Mm-hmm. He's one of the funniest people. I, it, it just his the way he delivers things, and his dry, and it's just like, yeah, <laughs> you do that kind of laugh. We're just like, <laughs> there's going to be a lot of that this year. There's a lot of humor in this show. I mean, I think more so than a lot of years we've done. We always mm-hmm. tend to do sort of like a fairly serious theme, and we try to work little things in now mm-hmm. and again. And you can, some of the performers will do that too. Um, but this year we have like intentional gags and like running jokes through the whole thing and whatever, just because like everybody needs a little laugh now mm-hmm. more mm-hmm. than ever, probably. Yes. Yeah. We try to balance it out every year so that the show isn't super serious and we have a break from all of that and you can laugh at some things. I mean, you're laughing at terrible things, but yes. you know, at least it's, it's, you're getting a full range of emotion where, you know, like the year we had Mandy come out tap dancing in that giant hat, like nobody was expecting that, oh, but yeah. it got everybody yeah. a good laugh. It took everybody out of something super serious and super super painful to watch and mm-hmm. like gave them a little giggle before we like assaulted them again <laughs> so <laughs> my favorite was was it last last year with I mean, Santos keyboard where it wasn't plugged in mm-hmm. so I had like the perfect photo of it from the photographer and it's my favorite photo but also, like, I don't even remember what he said. He said something smart-assy yeah. as he held up the unplugged thing, you know? <laughs> oh, and yeah. that, that was funny. I think people got to kick out of that. So people will laugh at our mistakes, too, which is good laugh at them because we're dumb and made them. <laughs> <laughs> Please laugh at our mistakes. We'll work them into the show somehow. Right. <laughs> Just pretend it's part of the show. Yeah. So, Lori, so. you're going to need a shock collar to keep everybody in line this year um, from a distance. Yeah. <laughs> well, we'll see. We'll see. <laughs> you know, like, that's it. Um... Lori's got to learn to let go this year. Yeah. 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 That's it. I'm I'm like, I'm I'm practicing tunnel vision. Instead of Mm. trying to look at everything, I have to be like, I'm Dante, and I'm right here in front of you. You know what? You and I have reversed roles this year. Yes, we have. Last year, I was on stage the entire time, and I was watching things happen, and I couldn't react (laughs) at all. And now this year, you're going to be on stage the whole time, and you're going to be seeing things happen and not be able to react. I know. And I guarantee you next year, you're going to be like, I'm never doing that again. (laughs) 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 Only time on stage. (laughs) Trust me, because... I did open the witch show. You forget that. I did, you did open I did, the witch I did, show. I did come out yeah. briefly, yell for a while at the witch show, and then go backstage. And That's my favorite. That's still my favorite opening yeah. ever. Really? Honestly, it really it was. was so good. Show. I wish I had like a video of it. I don't think we even have that on video. Do so we? I have yeah, to say, we, they've we been nice been enough to like go, here, go out oh, there and yell for a bit, and then just come back and watch it. But I get saw it. that, it was good. Yeah. If you didn't, I'm sad for you that you didn't see it, because it was amazing. Yeah, the witching hour was a really good show. They're all really good shows. Yeah. Except the first couple. 
Those they never bad. happened. Those were bad. We, just, yeah, <laughs> we, we don't talk about our history. People are like, oh, what about your first and second year? We're like, we don't talk about that. That's like <laughs> flowers in the attic shit. We don't talk about that. <laughs> 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 in the attic and pretend like they don't exist. <laughs> we forget that they're I wasn't even around then. I don't know. <laughs> You're like, so it doesn't actually matter. Nothing yeah. before Lori mattered. Right, right that's true. <laughs> <laughs> like, tell time before Lori, after Lori. 2009 BL. <laughs> 2011, we started acknowledging Atrocity Exhibition <laughs> as our own. <laughs> we were like, oh, it's Prior to that, we're like, we don't know who runs Somebody that. Somebody does that. I don't know. I've heard about that. <laughs> so we also, have to, I want to talk about Brian Coddington's videos. Oh, yes, yes, yes. Because, uh, oh my gosh, those are productions in themselves. So yes. It's like the Atrocity Exhibition, and then beyond that, you have a whole movie Ahead of it, yeah. He's actually, um, he just, before you got here, sent us the rough final cut of the film. Mm -hmm. Um, And it was a really big production this year. This was by far the biggest one he's done um, because just like everybody else in Atrocity is we push ourselves to do a little bit more every Mm -hmm. year because we have to outdo ourselves. Brian does the same thing uh, with his film. Mm -hmm. And this year we filmed for three days? Yeah. Two yeah. of those, one Two of those days, days yeah. and then one very short, short sequence. So, and we had actors that had to come in and sets that needed built for that. It was and a full production, really. <laughs> yeah, it was a full production in and of itself. So, it's by far the most in depth. And I gotta say, like, as I do, when I watched the rough cut, I started tearing up at the end because <laughs> it was so good. It's so good. He really laid out, and he always does, but this year being able to have seen it ahead of time, he really set the tone for the story and Mm -hmm. really gave you a good um, look into the background of who Dante is. So without words. Wow. There's no speaking. And it's, it runs very much like a silent movie as always. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, and I thought the Alice video was my absolute favorite. It's still, I I still love the Alice video. It's still my favorite. It was really good. Yeah. Um, However, this one is like it, it blew it out of the water. It's wow. it's intense. How did Brian kind of get into your atrocity family? <sighs> How did that happen? <laughs> um, I was curious because he, he just like, showed up one day. Yeah, I yeah, was well, like, Do when I showed up, he was no. doing the documentary. That's when I showed up. Okay, mm-hmm. see. I think what it was is he was involved in, um, like, he teamed up with some of the original Bridge City bombshells for, like, some movie stuff, and that's how I initially got introduced to him, I think, was through all of that. And, um, you know, he ma- he makes horror movies. And I asked him in 2011, I said, you know, when he was... Because he, you know, became a friend through all of that. I asked him in 2011, how would you like to do, like, a weird, like, opening film at Atrocity? I said, that would be a cool element to, you know, add to it. And he was like, yeah, I'll totally do that. So he did, like, this found footage, like, montage into Insanity because we did the Insane Asylum that year. And it and everybody loved it. And, like, it was like the lights went down in the venue. And then all of a sudden it said Morosa Macabre's Atrocity Exhibition. Everybody lost their shit. This movie played. Like, it was a really cool opening. And I was like damn, this is, like, what this needed. Everybody (laughs) excited and, like, ready for the show. Mm -hmm. And it has now become a tradition that everybody knows as soon as the lights go down and the movie comes up, like, everybody's silent, everybody's watching, and as soon as it says at the end, Marosa Macabre's House of Oddities present the Atrocity Exhibition, the whole crowd goes nuts, and that's the beginning of the show. But he's slowly 
from that found footage video um, was like, well, what if this year, like, I film Cherry as a ghost, like, when we did Phantasmagoria, mm-hmm. and I can get hands and do this montage. And so we did, like, this weird montage ghost thing, and then that evolved into another and another and another. And it just kept getting more complicated every year, and we gave him, you know, pretty much free reign to do whatever within the theme. You know, I tell him what it is we're doing, what it is, what the story is we're looking to tell, like, what the feel is that we're going for, and then he does storyboarding and, like, gets uh, Tim Roberts, who is um, the uh, guy that runs the camera, and he sets up beautiful shots. Mm -hmm. He's got an excellent eye. Um... And the cuts are smooth, and it's just crazy. So it, that's how it all started. It, like, went from, like, hey, you should do this thing. <laughs> and now he's, like, doing these big productions for the Atrocity Exhibition every year. You know, except for the one year on year five, um, Rachel Deacon did our opening film, mm-hmm. who was a film uh, maker here in Pittsburgh. She has some beautifully, really dark uh, 35 millimeter work. It's really cool. Um, and he did our documentary. Brian focused on filming all the behind mm-hmm. the scenes and everything. Mm-hmm. So that was his project that year. And then after the documentary is done, he came back to do our opening films. And uh, yeah, this year is going to be, it's awesome. So cool. It's really awesome. He's so good at his job. <laughs> They're gonna keep it, Brian. Congratulations. Yes, yeah. No, no, we we'd be lost. Another one we'd be lost without. Mm-hmm. You know, that was another part of the evolution of Atrocity Exhibition that brought in film art into it. You know, yeah. made the the whole three sixty. We do every kind of art we possibly can. Thing. You know, we've done like a lot. Of, I mean, we used to have live bands. You know, do that, and then we kind of phased that out, replaced it with film, and so we've switched things around quite a bit over the years. Everything's. Nothing ever stays the same, you know? Yeah. The formula is the same, basically, but... We've also put together artists that genuinely love their craft Mm -hmm. and trust each other to make something exciting, Mm -hmm. which is the ultimate formula. Yeah, because we don't see a lot of these acts prior to the show. You know, we don't know what they're doing. We get their music, we get light (laughs) cues, and every now and then we'll get photos of their costumes. Oh, wow. But all of these people are super talented in everything they do. We know they're going to costume mm-hmm. uh, we we book people based on like their costuming skills and their actual like talent itself mm-hmm. like for instance um you know we have a contortionist this year uh that does cane balancing and she is superhuman um mm-hmm. so in an ex- in, in something like that where she's like well i don't know what to do for costuming we're like we'll take care of your costuming you mm-hmm. just be superhuman mm-hmm. so in those instances when we hire someone who maybe isn't used to the theatrical costuming aspect of it we'll take a hold of the costuming and just because we need their skill is so unique to what we're doing mm-hmm. and to what's happening in general so yeah so many facets to the show it's amazing it's nuts <laughs> it's nuts it's mind-blowing like it blows my mind every year i we we blow our own minds every year we're like how the hell does this happen <laughs> you sit back and go, wow wow at the end, at the end yeah. i cry a lot in atrocity <laughs> like you know i tear up a whole lot <laughs> so like not because i'm sad but because it's it's like a super proud moment to see your friends up there like knocking it out but like your kids this whole thing is like one big kid and you yeah, have all the little honestly, kids involved <laughs> honestly honestly and every year terribly tempered baby is what it is. <laughs> every year it's after so the good. show Aaron's packing up the table and I come walking up to the table he looks at me he's like well we did it <laughs> 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 it's like, 
every year. Exactly. But it's funny because the next day we have a big dinner and all the artists and entertainers get together and we sit down and we talk about the show and everybody's super excited and super proud and we relive all of it and tell, talk about our favorite moments. So it's from start to finish. It's a really cool experience. And even though it's stressful at the end, we all get to sit back and really enjoy what we just did. Well, what, yeah, once we load everything into the, the venue and get it started, that's the least stressful part, I think, for me. Because mm-hmm. I can stop having, like, major anxiety about it. <laughs> <laughs> I can let it go, and then it's the stage manager's fault if something goes wrong, or it's the performer's fault, or, no. you know what I mean? Like, and for me, it's when I sit down to dinner the day after. Right. Yeah. Well, yeah, totally. You know, that's like, when it's, it's truly done. over. Okay, yeah, it's but. done. <laughs> I'm, I'm happy. Like, I can breathe again. Yeah. And real quick, I want to talk about Zeke's and their coffee. Oh, yes. That's um, super cool. Yeah. Uh, Zeke's has been doing our coffee for, like, a really long time, and now I am employed with them. Um, I love those people very, very much, but Chad from Zeke's has actually been designing um, the Atrocious Roast since um, Museum of Dreams? That sounds right. Yeah. yeah. So we had the Atrocious Roast for Museum of Dreams. We had the Witch's Brew for Witches. Last year, we had Drink Me Blend for Alice in Wonderland, and this year we have Paradiso. They made a Central South American dark medium roast that is packaged in red bags. Mm-hmm. It's available at the cafe, and, um, which is 6015 Penn Avenue in East Liberty. And then they will also have it available for sale at the show. Mm-hmm. So not only have they created this roast for us, but they also provide us with coffee all weekend long. So the whole crew gets coffee nice. and their bakers are providing us with food and like they're totally, you know, awesome. They really, I mean, literally where they talk about Zeke's and like fuel, like follow the fuel or whatever, like literally Zeke's fuels the atrocity exhibition and like. If it weren't for them, we would be drinking crappy, co- crappy coffee. <laughs> oh, that wouldn't happen. Yeah. <laughs> the show would not happen. Crappy no. coffee would not have caffeine in it. But right now, there's still, like, a couple of bags of Paradiso um, at the cafe. And hidden in one of the bags is a Friday night VIP ticket. Very nice. Yeah. I'll buy them all now. So, and I think there's only, like, four to six left. Oh, so wow. It's it's... And I haven't got an email yet saying that anybody claim the ticket so it's still in there somewhere or somebody just decided they don't care and they don't want to come to the show and but it's they're jerks yeah <laughs> <laughs> found this thing i threw it in the garbage yeah so show you yeah so by all means like come to zeke's and grab you a bag of parody so but if you can't you can come you can get it at the event too mm-hmm. they'll be brewing it and they'll have it for sale that's yeah you should also be bringing money and really your yes. credit card because there's things to buy at your show too. Yes, oh, yeah. yeah, that's right. Yeah, most of, <laughs> there's so many things at this show that we forget all the things at the yeah. show. Yeah, um, but we have uh, like a lot of artists use like Square, mm-hmm. but well, the thing is, the Rex doesn't always have the best like Wi-Fi. cell service and Wi-Fi oh, in there, yeah. so it's yeah. hard. Like I, I, I have Bring trouble cash. with ours every year, and I have ours upstairs. Please remind me to give you that later. Oh, because it's been sitting in my bedroom, but um. Yeah, so you can, we always say bring cash. There's an ATM at the Rex, so that's a thing. What kind of artists are you going to have this year? Anything really different? I who we have that's yeah. new. Oh, um, you know who's new. <laughs> Come on. No, now you put me on the spot. I don't know, Rescue my brain's like much. Really? We were talking about, I thought we were just talking about artists. I thought we were talking about, yeah, artists. Well, in general, performers, too. Yeah. yeah. So, yeah, oh, Matt Scott's new this year, um... Danger Doll from New York yeah. this year. Ooh. And then, I don't, are, do we have new vendors? 
we always have somebody new, but I literally, like, my brain is a pile of mush yeah. right now. You're just going to have to come see it and yeah. check it out. We have less <laughs> vendors this year than we normally do, just a few less. It's, um, but it's still great stuff, and, mm-hmm. you know, we definitely encourage you to come check it out. You can come say hi to me at my table. That would be cool. What do you make? What kind of um, <laughs> I hate that question just because I'm always like, I don't know. When I, when I explain what I do to other people, I'm like, I like to make this because it has skulls on it. I don't know. I just make weird stuff. That's good. So that's what we've always done. That's what we started to do, and somehow it morphed into this whole thing. So <laughs> magic of weird stuff with skulls, right? Turned into a whole production. So we'll have a lot of screen prints and art dolls and stuff like that this year. Mm-hmm. Stickers and patches and and that. Yeah, very nice. So definitely, when's the date of the show again? It is May twelfth and thirteenth this year because we're doing two nights instead of one. Which so you can. Uh, it's the same show. Mm-hmm. Uh, both nights. So you're catching the same show. Um, however, we have been uh, fortunate enough to be selling out the Rex the past couple of years. Last year was an over-exception because we sold out way in advance. Um, mm-hmm. And hundreds, um, from what I understand, hundreds of people got turned away. Um, so, like, at least a hundred people got turned away. Wow. Um, from what I understand. They said it was a lot. And we had people coming to the back door that we knew personally that were trying to find us because they couldn't get in. Um, and it's like, get your tickets in advance. We told you. We told yeah. you. We told you. We're yeah. not lying. We're not just trying to get your money. Like, if you want to see the show legit, get your tickets in advance. Right now, we have two nights. Um, we've extended it to two nights. Like I said, same show. But... It gives people an opportunity to actually get in this year. So we'll have, um, you know, two times, one, how do I explain this? Uh, We're adding more seats, and so therefore every time we put a seat in, we have to take a person out. But it will allow us essentially two-thirds more people than what we normally would have or something like that. Right, Somehow that works, yes. Population. So, but our seats are already sold out. That's impressive. So the seats are sold out for both Friday and Saturday. I think there are weekend pass seats still available. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think there's only like a couple of those. Though. I think there's like six left. Oh wow! Um, but general admission standing is still mm-hmm. is still open, and those are the you know less expensive tickets. Um, you know, seating is a little bit more money, but um, yeah, they sold out. That's the so. great thing about your show too. Is yeah, it's affordable. Mm-hmm. It is. We keep well. We're community funded, mm-hmm. so we have people donate money to us every year, and that's our budget. And we do the show within whatever we get. Um, you know, we make it work. And, uh, so, and we do that so that we don't have to charge a bunch of money for tickets and have to pay all that stuff back later. Yeah. You know what I mean? Um, it's this way, like we're able to build all of our sets and get all of our pre-production done and put these people in fabulous costumes and, you know, hire all these wonderful artists to do wonderful things. Amber from, from Scarehouse is here and, uh, she, uh, she's helping paint our sets. She came over today to help paint sets and do all kinds of cool stuff and she's going to be helping us with makeup night of. So Yay. we're able to hire her to help us. So yeah, it's uh, it's awesome because it gives a lot of people opportunity. And so we thank everybody that donates that Kickstarter every year. You make our lives really much easier than they used to be when we were well, yeah. this shit out of pocket. <laughs> <laughs> if we didn't have that Kickstarter, we wouldn't be doing this. Uh, no, yeah, probably not. Because neither one of us can afford that. I think really. that's basically how it went, is it was like, we can't afford to do it anymore. And then so, and yeah. Nikki was like, you should do a Kickstarter. And I'm like, what's a Kickstarter? Mm-hmm. And we've been doing the Kickstarter since 2011, which is where the costuming and everything yeah. got real good. Yeah. yeah what were you the first one, do you remember? <laughs> like, we paid $600? Yeah. I think we asked for $600 for our first yeah. one. That's what I thought. I knew it was like super low. We're like, is $600 a lot of money? Yeah. It seems like a lot <laughs> it seems of money. Like too much money yeah. to ask for. We do the like, same question every year. Is this a lot of 
have money to ask for? Yeah. Like, can we ask for this? I don't know. And we'll every year we go, just add, you know, a couple more. It's fine. We'll get right. It. And every year the show gets bigger. So literally, <laughs> whatever well money. that too. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Donations, which is great. So thank you, everybody. We love you. Yeah. We literally use that money to make the show bigger. If we get more money than what we had planned on, you know, what our goal mm-hmm. was set for, like that all goes into the show to make it bigger and better, which is how we end up drowning ourselves at the last minute. Because perfect. More things. More Put things. more things in there. Bigger, shinier. Blow up. Poof. Was it poofs this year? Poofs and poofs and... I'm not going to say what the other one is. The yeah, don't. One. No. Secret. No, we're in surprises. Lori, where can everybody find you? Online and what you're up to and keep up with your... Uh, on Facebook, I am... I do have a, a Facebook page, The Mad Muse, uh, where I post regularly... Um, my main website where I keep all of my current projects like festivals I'm doing, fringes I'm doing, or atrocity, or now nah, the literary brothel is at uh, www.musegonemad.com. And if you just Google the Mad Muse, you'll find me. <laughs> I'm on Twitter, Pinterest, all that stuff. Oh, very cool. Yeah. Aaron, where are you at? Um, I'm on Facebook, but. Like, I really just use it to mouth off at other people. Yes, I don't So it's really not that exciting. Um, but you can follow us, Marissa McCobb, on Facebook. You can find mm-hmm. the event pages on Facebook. Um, also, we have an Instagram account, so mm-hmm. we post, like, sneak peeks of stuff there. So that mm-hmm. would be where to check it out if you're looking for art stuff. Yeah. dot um, Pretty much all the links to, like, our shops, our previous artwork, links to the atrocity exhibition. So everything kind of runs off of marosamacabre.com. You can go the, go directly to our Facebook from that's there. That's the hub. Yeah, that's kind of the hub. So that's where you're going to find both of us, really. Well, well thank you all so much for chatting with me. This was a really fun conversation. It really was. <laughs> yeah. It really yeah, was. It was. I'm sorry if this is way over time. I was no, like, we've been talking. I was like, <laughs> I feel like we've just been, like, shooting the shit for, uh, like, three hours. No, it was very interesting. Oh. I learned good. a lot. Good. You're very smart. Yeah. Oh, thank you. <laughs> I just love what I do. I love what I do. I'm mm-hmm. not very smart in everything, but if it's something that I love, I just try to be really good at it. That's very cool. Well, thank you so much for listening to this podcast, and we'll talk to you again soon. Bye.